0: So welcome to Verity, and my guest today is Daniel Friedman, cool, also known as Deep Fried Man. Yes. And, well, Daniel, thank you. Cool, I must be Thanks, honest, Roman. Um, I was very surprised. I sent you one DM, and you said, yeah, sure, when? I was well, asking, I mean, I think, okay.
1: yeah, well, I, look, I mean, so I'm friends with Warren, and I know a comedian, Warren uh, Robertson, and um, I he, know he turned you guys That you know, I mean... He's not a fan of... <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, well, like, look, I look, there's, you know... I'm someone who if I see something I disagree with on my timeline and I often do I'm not I don't freak out about it I just kind of ignore it most of the time and okay which is most of your timeline <laughs> but occasionally there's something where I'm like okay yeah I mean I'm not someone who and I think that would surprise people about me because my views on so many issues are very far to the left um but the one thing that I'm not into which is very unpopular at the moment is kind of is sort of hysteria is this idea of, you know, I'm unfriending everyone who, you know, if, you, if you're if you this person kind of person, I'm unfriending you. I mean, very popular at the moment, that oh, kind right. of thing. And, I mean, I've got a lot of friends, you know, who are, I mean... They will unfriend you once they see
0: you've been on this podcast with me.
1: <laughs> but I don't even mean that. I mean, like, on the other side, I've got friends who might agree with you about a lot of stuff. Like, for instance, Mark Ryan Reese, or, for instance, right. uh, you know, Chris, who's a, friend of, a mutual friend of ours. And, uh, you know, I've got friends who are... You know, I mean, Chris is quite far in terms of like, he uses words like lame stream and he's against the mainstream. You know, he's like someone who probably watches Alex Jones quite a bit. You know, so, but I like him and I'm not going to stop liking someone just because I, I disagree with them. So then that leads me to the next step, which is like, let's try and understand what guys are saying. And I think. You know, there's a there's a big, big, uh, you know, move towards, you know, the left at the moment, which makes us very easy targets, has has become quite hysterical. And there is a move towards a very kind of narrow, you know, it's what they call wokeness. Sure. So I'm in a very delicate situation because I agree with the left on most core issues. But there's something about the way that. uh that discussion is is silence that really doesn't sit well with me. And that makes – it's quite a lonely position because if I say things like that often on the left, I immediately get lumped into categories of thought that I don't fit into.
0: Yeah, and that's the irony. I agree with the left on almost everything except economics.
1: Yeah, I mean Um, it should – okay, we were talking – before we we rolled, we were talking about Sam Harris. And I am – Not a huge fan, and I disagree with him about most things, but the one thing he said which I agreed with is that today, if you're on the left in America, he was speaking for his own country, but I think it's true, you know, almost globally, is that um, being on the left means that you probably have a certain view on a number of topics. Sure. And being on the right, it's the same thing. And so... That's a problem in terms of free thought because there's this kind of weird consensus. it's like if you have a view on uh you know um, guns, then you must have this view on abortion so sure. so it's it's weird that it's like everything's been lumped in one basket and it's, you've, you've got to buy the whole package.
0: but it isn't I mean why can't people just make or try making forward opinions on separate issues separately? Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, so,
1: have, like, so, so so you should be able to be like... like I love well, guns, for yeah. example.
0: Abortion, for me, I'm still undecided. I think it's murder, but it can be justified, yeah. in a way. Gay marriage, fuck. I think everyone should get married with whoever they want. Five times over, I think three men could get married together. I don't give a shit at all. Yeah. Weed should be... All drugs should be legalized. Um, borders shouldn't exist at all. Something and is that what, part of being an, an anarchist? Right, Well borders are yeah, just uh, yeah. A, 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 oppressive social constructs. But I mean, what does that make me? You can't like me anyway. Yeah, I mean, people try. They call me outright until I say borders shouldn't exist, and I don't, I love immigration. <laughs> But it is. I mean, but things are very complicated
1: these days because they people are. People make it complicated. But I mean, well, I suppose the complicated part is thinking that someone is is in your camp until you hear their views on a certain thing. Or even like, you know, uh, uh, Roger Stone. I even when I watched the documentary about him to find out that he was a huge advocate for legalization of marijuana and for you know pro gay rights. You know, yeah. th- and that just seems very. Um, and that seems very, it's it sort of, you get this cognitive dissonance, like how could those two things fit together with his other views? How could those two things fit together with his other views? But I think that stems from what, from the idea that because you believe something on one thing, you must believe things on a lot of other things. Yeah, of
0: course. Um, of I course. mean... And, and it just stifles debate in this country to to a very large degree.
1: Yeah. So I can't remember what was said, but there was someone who tweeted something along the lines of you know, like comedy. Someone said, you know, c- f- you know, comedians should have freedom of speech. They shouldn't be policed. They shouldn't be this like uh, invisible sort of stamp of uh, acceptability, you know, attached to how woke they are, etc. And I agreed with it. Sure. And then I was jumped on in terms of I was instantly put in a category of saying, like, you just want to defend your racist beliefs, et etc. et cetera. But really, I was defending people like, say, you know, I mean, in this context, people like, you know, Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock, who are, you know, uh, you know, fairly, you know, they, they're people who fight for black people's rights in America. But they often get accused of not being woke enough. And it's, it's, you know, like Sarah Silverman got sure. accused of being racist but she's definitely you know to the left it's so it, it it becomes this thing of where i feel like it's it's very it's like it's only a matter of time before everyone gets attacked it's like people are getting cancelled at such a rate that you know this idea of problematic and being cancelled and all that and sort of de-platformed stuff and, and all the rest of it and it started out you know and now but by now it's like the kind of people who get cancelled so like Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, who's a female writer and you know feminist and huge her,
0: African feminist, yeah, yeah. And,
1: and and her prose is amazing. But now she had a controversial view on you know trance. Uh, you know she was a not, jump not non- being a non- real woman, yeah, yeah, th- that's that sort of thing. experiences, yeah, and yeah. so she was cancelled. And so for me, it gets to a stage where people I respect and admire get cancelled, and I have to kind of say, you need to be able to accept someone's. Talent and views on one thing without necessarily embracing the whole. Package. It like
0: Charmaine Greer, yeah, like one of the most, the, yeah, of influential, the most feminists, influential yeah. feminists in the world. Yeah, and she said, you know, trans women are not real women Yeah. the same experience, and she gets deep platform from like a feminist, um, yeah. Uh, whatever conference in Britain Am and
1: a lot of older feminists have actually found themselves on the wrong side of the Me Too movement etc etc I yes. mean so there is like a sort of battle within feminism and I, th- I think uh, I, you know I think there are extremes I- I'm, 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 I'm someone who you know has a lot I agree with feminism but not the extreme to which some people have taken it I guess uh, Yeah, so it makes you a, a rabbit centrist a rabid centrist. Is yeah. that what I am? I was actually thinking about it, but then I go and mess with it by having extremely left views on certain things. And I, do you know what's I interesting? Think
0: it's I think it's healthy to have two separate views in your mind at the same time. <laughs> Diametrically opposed um, views. I think it's a good thing. Uh, do, do you know what's interesting to me is... Uh, is
1: you know, like issues like Israel, etc., etc., is that... I, I don't like wokeness, but I think I might not like it for a different reason to a lot of people on the right, which is that I agree essentially with a lot of the ideas that, you know, I agree with, you know, um, I agree that there is such a thing as white privilege. I agree that patriarchy does exist. Okay. I don't agree with the idea that that means you need to spend your time online shouting at people who don't agree with you or don't. Fight it to the degree that you want them to fight it, or They're so a good point. Yeah. so I mean, I guess it's I just, was, a, just I think a, there would
0: be a, a lot more a persuasive, yeah. And there was
1: the no, exactly. And I think a lot of this mythic. does bite you. I mean, I think that's a, a lot of the reason why I, you know, I mean, I like what a lot of what Mark Ryan Reese's comedy, you know, because I find that what it does is it satirizes this sort of stuff, but it doesn't do it in a kind of like extreme or um
0: prejudiced way you know no. what i'm saying so i think uh, so talking about why privilege so, uh, natasha mazzoni the D.A.M.P., yeah. she says she's not privileged because her grandfather her father came from naples and yeah he was dead poor and she's more privileged than him but she's not universally privileged yeah and then she got shouted at and she's okay fine i am privileged and then she still got shouted at so so to me why give an inch
1: Well, I think at the moment there is this thing of like, I find, because I've been in situations where I've been shouted at for a tweet, and it's been on a much lower level, and it hasn't, you know, obviously blown up across the country like Natasha Mazzone, but, um, but, but, um, you know, there seems to be a thing that like, First, you make the person apologize. Then the person apologizes. Then you say the apology wasn't <coughs> good enough. Right. So when I've done it, I've just remained silent and I've just doubled down. But at it's that's humiliation. And eventually
0: it's humiliation of the person. It's You're not trying to win a cultural idea. But
1: I also think it's tied into what's going on in the DA. The DA is a very confused party at the moment because they're trying to appeal to two very sort of, you know, they, 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 they have a core base Who, If I were them, I would just speak to that base. But at the same time, they're trying to become enough of a popular party. They want to win. They want to govern South Africa, which I think is a very unrealistic goal for them. I think what they should do is accept their role in opposition and accept the fact that they can make an impact in opposition. And the problem is you've got this weird push and pull between you can't be... A populist sort of party that's going to get a majority of mainly black votes in elections and still keep your core white voters happy and I think that's what's happening is that someone like Natasha Mazzoni is, is, needs to apologize in order for the party to appear that they are a non-racial party or a party that cares about you know like, like Musi Maimani made his statement about white privilege sure. but then it, there, there was a huge clap back so to me, it's like if you want to be a post sort of, you know, a sort of post-racial South African party, you know, we, we represent capitalism, but free market capitalism. But we also represent, you know, a completely non-racial society, what Mandela fought for, so to speak, which
0: is what the DA always <laughs> claims. Yes. Then, then, then do that. I mean, but for me, if you're a political party and you don't talk about economic growth, you just shouldn't be anywhere near power because that's the only thing. That's going to save us in the long term. That we shall solve all these other little minor issues that we have along the way, because growth equals jobs, jobs equals more skills, more skills equals more wealth spread across. Yeah, I much think, more of the population than any sort of redistribution bullshit. But I think what's what, what's, what's what's
1: um what's easy to overlook is how um in populism, and I don't agree with populism, but in populism, what gets latched onto a lot is that poor people are often living in situations where they are excluded from the economy to the point that they have nothing to lose. In other words, why would someone support something like redistribution, etc., which could destabilize the economy? Because if you're poor, you might be in a situation where you're not part of the economy to begin with. And what are people threatening you with? They say, don't do this. If you follow the EFF, then you might destabilize the economy. And they would then say... But it's an economy which I don't feel a part of anyway. As it is now, I'm struggling to eat. So you're saying if this all happens, I'll be struggling to eat still. But yeah, there's no downside. I don't. You know, you've got nothing to lose. Sure. So I think that gets latched onto by populism, and I'm not saying. But I think it's very it's very easy to overlook the fact that people are living in in, in levels of such discomfort where they would. Where they would go for that, they wouldn't trust the idea of being, you know, of like, things like, so, so to say that jobs, etc., create something like the trickle-down effect or something like that would be yeah. something that well, would like, not be...
0: Trickle-down economics was a pejorative invented by lefties. Do, do to discredit you think so? Ronald Reagan, no, it, it doesn't but, exist as a term. Well, it, doesn't, right. it might not
1: exist as a term, but the idea that... All that needs to happen is for rich people to get even richer so that poor people can get a little bit...
0: That's not the idea at all. What is that? The idea, the idea that? is for the poor people to get a lot richer. It's for ri- eventually
1: everyone to get raised to the middle class and then the poor stop existing. Well, to some that, degree, yeah. Well, that would be amazing. But, I mean, I also think that what I was with, watching is you said growth. that the world is always, on one of the podcasts you said, the world has always been driven by oppression. You know, everything's always been, uh, you know, run well, by mar- conquest, et mar- Yeah, I mean,
0: that's Marx's critique, is is it the, class, uh, e- the class differences. Well, the
1: fact that we'll never have a completely free society. But to me, no. that's a very strange thing to argue because, you know, it's clear that, you can take measures to make sure things are slightly less messed up than than yesterday. You know. Well, one
0: would think, but uh, with the with the quality of uh, yeah. political leaders we have in this country from all all, all the major parties, I don't see any m- much hope in that regard. But okay, so as an
1: anarchist, anarchist you believe yes. you know it would be better if there was no government, right?
0: Oh uh, well, self government, self government. So if there were self governing communities,
1: so do you know what my problem with that is? My problem is that. From a purely practical perspective, you, as someone who is very critical of socialism, Mm -hmm. you might say that theoretically there's something going for socialism and Marxism, etc. It's just in practice it never works, which is quite true. I mean, you know, I mean, it's like you know most countries which have gone for this perfect socialist utopia have fallen apart. But it's always
0: practiced at a state level. It's practiced at a state level. So the theory is, the the uh, the state takes over, Mm. then the state will dissipate it never fucking dissipates it never dissipates it just yeah. becomes kind of stronger
1: but but what i'm saying is surely you would agree that part of the reason why socialism and marxism generally never works is because of human nature and because of the fact that human beings are greedy and because we're greedy there's no such thing as a utopia where people aren't going to naturally fight to progress for you know to progress as individuals
0: uh, fight or trade or or share skills or whatever the case may be. It doesn't but, have to but, be but, all imperialism. But,
1: but, but, but for a socialist utopia to work, you need human beings to become selfless to a degree that sure. they naturally aren't. No, no, they,
0: they agree with you. But yes. so
1: if you agree with that, then surely you would agree that anarchism would require human beings to also function at a level of... You know, human beings would need to be a lot less greedy, a lot more, you know, in, in order to be told there's no government, you're all in charge of yourselves... And for that not to end in a kind of like Lord of Flies, Lord of the Flies situation. <laughs> no, you can have
0: internal rules for your community. I mean... So is it just actually, decentralizing power and then de- everyone's
1: got... Absolutely. So it's like you've got a community WhatsApp group. It's and more
0: democratic accountability to its lowest level. Okay. So for example, say Parkhurst, right? Parkhurst yeah. is its own little community. They really are to some degree. They've got their own well, rules. Well, yeah, they
1: should do. Yeah, yeah, I mean They've they got, got their own, own, own They've got their own group. fiber
0: lines. They've got their own WhatsApp groups. They've yeah. got their own private security force.
1: And so you're just dealing with Parkas the, the greater South Africa that's not your concern so it's like a
0: well it is my concern that to ensure that other communities are functioning because it because what's well, crazy is as that as it well. almost
1: makes you sound like a hippie like you're saying like we must all go back to villages
0: yeah city states man, all the way all the way 15th century Italy. so in a way you're much
1: more of a hippie than you
0: make us well I don't believe in weed and love well I, I do not, you not, believe in uh,
1: weed from a very you know you believe a, in weed as a very in a very technical way like not you people should have the right to smoke it if they want to oh as you know? much as possible yeah but you don't personally want to you
0: know. I've tr- I tried it once in Amsterdam and I was sick as a dog
1: yeah I think maybe maybe Amsterdam is the is the bad part because uh, yeah you know it's they the, what happens is they're all in competition to try and create the most powerful strain. so I was I, was,
0: I went to a coffee shop in Amsterdam and I bought one off the rack as, as one does. And I had half of it and I was like, I'm really woozy. I go outside, I vomit in the canal for like half an hour. And then the biggest, blackest bouncer in the whole of Amsterdam finds me and picks me up. It takes me back to my hotel.
1: But that's, just, no, but that's what I found when I was there. It's insane that how sweet everyone is. Because yeah. I also found the same thing of the police. It's like in South Africa, you kind of, you learn to fear the police. And sure. you know that if you're in trouble, you do everything in your power to avoid seeing the police. Because you know that they're not necessarily going to help. Whereas I was in Amsterdam and I was stoned out of my mind walking around the canals, lost. And this policeman found me And he was like You poor thing You look lost Let me take you back To your, to your hostel You know he showed me The way he was on a horse It was it's, yeah. it's just such a Such a warm and fuzzy Kind
0: of It is just, a great it is a great country I mean I actually Invited you to speak About comedy You haven't even Touched on that We
1: haven't even Touched on that Well I mean I think you know Places like uh, The Netherlands Places like The Nordic countries Are um, are You know They are Quite well run But I think for a society like that to function, you need already, uh, you know, you need to start. It's hard when you start off from a position of such massive income inequality. Yeah. So in other words, it would be hard to to ever see South Africa as a society.
0: Impossible, I would argue. But it's not just the social and political system. It's the cultural aspect as well. 95% of people contribute and they understand why they contribute, and they will get out when they get it out from the system. In you know, in other countries, in America, that would never work because there's, there's income inequalities, there's different cultures within the whole so of So you America. almost need
1: a, a fairly level playing field to begin with. Because exactly, I, mean, yeah. I think, okay, so about the whole socialism thing, is that I think that what I see now is a lot of, on Facebook, you know, it's, it's often like you can tell someone's politics. People are railing against socialism or they're railing against capitalism. Sure, And I find that so silly because when it comes to economics it shouldn't be like a religion. It shouldn't be like a system that's... Uh, I feel like it should be something where you say this works, mm. this doesn't work, take a little bit of this, take a little bit of that. So in other words, then you end up with something like in the Nordic countries where you've got capitalism Functioning alongside a level of welfare from the state, uh, you know, a level that's of that's what it
0: is. I mean, it's easier to open a company in, I believe it was Denmark than America. Mm. On on the on the freedom rankings in the yeah. world, economic freedom, they're higher up than the US well, in I terms mean, of freedom. Well, definitely, they I just mean, they just have this this very benevolent and uh, I think America's.
1: I think America is very arrogant in terms of its idea that we have the monopoly on freedom. I think within America, uh, everyone's course. like freedom. Like as if it was invented in America And I think, you know, that's a I mean, but I mean, are you not someone Who would argue for um, Unrestricted capitalism? Uh,
0: Well, unrestricted free trade Amongst individuals, absolutely
1: So, because I mean, I think the problem with See, the problem with being being pro capitalism is a very easy thing to be because you have many examples of capitalist economies which work, sure, but the problem is taking that to its next sort of conclusion and saying capitalism should be allowed to you know free trade is one thing, but the idea that companies are more equipped and are uh, you know it, it, you could have a decentralized state where Companies are not then going to take advantage of that. To me, that's naive. Well,
0: companies are a legal fiction created by governments, right? Yeah, but They're the problem, persons.
1: They, yeah, but the problem is corporations kind of function like as if they are human. Well, beings. you just
0: have a, you just have a law that says uh, companies shouldn't exist, or so then you've got no companies either. Well, you you can create different entities. But so then you're almost trading. talking about
1: traders in like I'll give you a no, like not, a rock and you'll barter. give me a.
0: Well, <laughs> I'm not sponsoring, <mandatory>, but, <laughs> but perhaps you can create companies whereby the owner of the company is liable for the losses of that company. Here we've got a separation, right? We've got the company as a person. do you think that would person. lead
1: to natural ethics within a company? It will know? lead
0: to skin in the game. Yeah. If someone is because personally that, responsible for their behavior. Like Steinhoff, right? What's happening yeah. to Steinhoff now? The Massive fraud, yeah. billions lost. Um Marcus Huerster and Krista Wieser and all them, they're feeding it. Not, not just in their pockets, but as, a, as an expression of guilt by the public. It's not a nice feeling because they are the faces of Steinhoff, right? Yeah. And now they're suffering the pinch because they fucked up yeah. big. Um, and,
1: and that wouldn't have happened if...
0: If they were like a plumbing, a small plumbing company no one's heard of. Or or some. But so now are you not essentially arguing that if
1: the the less responsibility you take on in life, the easier your life will be? Because no one will ever. I mean.
0: But that's true anyway. I do think that's true.
1: (laughs) I do think that's true. Uh, You you must talk to ask me because if I am left to my own devices, I'll start asking you questions.
0: Oh no! I mean, this is a conversation.
1: Okay, so I understand why you could argue that. People are hysterical in their reaction to Afroforum, and I think there is an element of truth to that. Oh, we're going to Afroforum. But okay, that yeah. said, why do you seem to champion them to the degree that you do? Because
0: they are the essence of an anarchic organisation. They in what they way? thrive on membership only. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so individual people freely give freely. them membership dues. Yeah. Uh, they've got a mandate from their members. Okay. They do research on 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 that mandate. Uh, they are excellent at marketing, um, and I think I think they're doing good work. Uh, the the amount of charity they do that benefits many many different people. I think farm murders are a problem. <clears throat> we can get into the debate. It is, is it yeah. more? Is it more of a problem than something else? It doesn't matter in this instance. Yeah, the mandate is farm murders. Let's research farm murders.
1: So what you're saying is the the, the big argument, is, which is that farm murders are not happening at a the big argument, which is that you cannot directly link, you cannot directly call farm murders a sort of targeted thing, which is something that Afroforum would disagree with. I so would you would say that that's not relevant? It. The point is they are happening.
0: Well, I think they're happening at an alarming rate, and uh, the amount of brutality on display
1: So is, what I find difficult is, is, is the than, figures, than because usual.
0: you read, I've seen, on this issue,
1: I've seen so many contrasting figures, and sure. I think that's something that's really stopped me from, I think... There is a perception, whether it's true or not, that Afroforum are engineering their own research, and is it not hard to trust an organisation which might be engineering research specifically to back their pre sure. their pre existing. We, we can
0: argue about figures, yeah. but then why call them fascists? <laughs> Call if, it? You, if you no, well, well, look, that I
1: no, but look, okay. Well, so what? The one thing I will completely agree with you on is that this whole thing that you've seen online of like I want to kill you, and I want to, or like whatever Adam Habib said, and all that okay. sort of stuff. All that does is as a see. I'm worried, because I'm worried because as a leftist, that sort of stuff makes us all look bad, it, it makes does. us all look pathetic, and it weakens our cause. So sure. to me, uh, to, lack, to, to lose perspective is never a good thing. And this whole idea of, like, on both sides, there's this whole popular thing about comparing someone to Hitler within seconds. I mean, that's ridiculous.
0: It is ridiculous. But, but for, okay, back to every forum for one second.
1: Yeah.
0: Why fight them when you can just emulate them? and get a mandate for something you believe in
1: I would say the biggest problem is that there's been a huge move worldwide towards right-wing populism and I would say that they are fueling that by, uh, there's a huge willingness um, overseas in places like the US the Australia and the UK to embrace white people as a sort of like almost uh, oppressed refugee type people
0: who need to be offered
1: asylum sure, what's wrong with that? Because, I mean, if the reality on the ground for us is clearly not that. I mean, if you is look it? at refugees from countries like Syria, yeah. then, I mean, I think it makes a mockery of the idea. It's the whole thing of genocide. So to me, it's like there is a sense of, obviously, white fragility is a phrase that you might hear a lot and that you would have big problems with. But surely you would concede that if you're in a situation where if something happens to someone who's brown and they get dragged through Syria, through the Syrian war and need refuge, that... That that person's not on the same level as someone who lives in a double-story house in, you know, uh, in, in Johannesburg, sure. who's being who's, – a law got passed saying that we will back eventually some idea of expropriation without compensation, although no one can agree on what that means, and – um, and they are and there's and there's affirmative action. So, so in other sure. words, how can you put someone like that who lives such a cushy lifestyle in the same camp as people who are really at the lowest rung of society, the most vulnerable people who are the most? To me, it's very hard to justify it without coming to the conclusion that people are more sympathetic of other people who look like them and who have the same coloured skin as them. It's
0: almost like there's an evolutionary bias, Daniel. <laughs> This is but, weird so, but, thing. Are you, but are you this saying that that's thing. right?
1: Surely we should fight some kind we should, of weird...
0: We should try to overcome our evolutionary biases. Sure, surely we should. I get no. it. But I mean, if we agree that... I mean, AfriForum never argues for white genocide. They never have done so, ever. That's Steve Hoffman and his, his weird Okay, group. so I
1: think maybe that's something that people wrongly put them in that same... No, so people do
0: it intentionally to try to, to discredit, to discredit them. them. I mean, if you actually read what Forum says and you see what speeches they do... It's it's really like we want a strong, prosperous, prosperous country for everyone um, as long as our minority rights of Afrikaners are not limited to a degree where they don't exist anymore. I mean, that's all but, they're trying to do.
1: Okay, well, if you say that, which I don't necessarily think is the case, then is that not undermined by what a lot of people see as a very purposeful attempt to rally the far right in different countries into, is the, is the uh, in, 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 into taking... Right? Like well, is, I mean, is, is you like could argue that the what's the guy? Institute, the guy with the moustache, the Trump, Joe Bolton, Joe Bolton. I mean, National Security Advisor. National Security Advisor. But I mean, it's very high. You know, I mean, Trump's it, most of Trump's mind. most of Trump's administration is quite far to the right. I mean, these are like a mixture of 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 uh, what do you call it's them? The, evangelical Christians. Uh, um, it's like the Republicans. The Republicans, but, yeah, like
0: George Bush's cabinet. From okay, but you, t- you a you, decade you, ago were sure. they far right fascists? No. Not then. Somehow well, they are the today. Dash, the F
1: word, but I mean <laughs> they're pretty far. You know, I mean I think for, for its time, the Bush administration was seen as quite uh, a far right administration, and no, it is. But you know, the Trump Trump administration is is a lot further to the right than that because I think a big difference is that there is it. this element. There is this element of the Bush administration for you know they are all neocons, right? You're right. But there was never this. Um, This, you know, growing populist idea of like that, you know, white people are being stifled and oppressed and all of this sort of stuff, which is that a lot, you know, because what happened with Trump, the reason why he won, and he was such a sort of, at a certain time, you know, even his supporters would have said there's not a very good chance of him winning. So what's obviously happened and what, you know, the left obviously messed up in a huge way by underestimating this group, but there's this huge group of disenfranchised sort of, you know, white people who... Feel excluded from economic you know economic things etc etc well,
0: and from politics
1: from politics I mean, don't forget from that. politics etc etc, and from that perspective and up to that point, I can sympathize mm. but then when they make the leap that the reason why is that uh, things like you know if now black people are the new oppressors and affirmative action etc etc, and if you say that black lives matter, you are negating the fact that other people 's lives matter to me that 's taken to an extreme you 're basically mobilizing a group which while misunderstood to a certain degree could also if its most extreme elements are allowed to prosper become quite dangerous because there is a link somewhere along the line and to say there's a link is not to call every person sure a fascist but there is a link at some at you know to to sort of you know your 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 ideologies of you know white ethnostates and you know your richard spencer kind of things sure so what i would say is that i would be a lot more willing to to um, to s- agree that there's nothing sort of dangerous about Afroforums tapping into that whole thing. If I didn't believe that there is a very real sort of element that could push that sort of thinking towards a form of fascism.
0: But let's but let's okay let's look at more of a, like a global international relations. <laughs> if you had to go to the EU and yeah. say there's a problem in South Africa. We feel that farmers are being targeted, white farmers. I don't think you'll get much of a response. If you go to other social democratic countries, no response. America, you will get a response.
1: America, UK, and Australia seem to be the three right. centres.
0: Right. I mean, so that's why they go there. They're not going to China. China doesn't give a fuck at all. Um, I I mean, I know it personally, the deputy CEO of Every Forum. Yeah. He's actually quite a good friend Ernst, of mine. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I've I've also dealt with him. So we had we did uh, a pilot for a TV show which never got made, oh, right. but we wanted him to be one of the guests. And obviously, you know, I mean, and I think that's you know another thing to, you know, when you deal with most people one on one, they you know most people are decent.
0: You Wait, know? But I, and, well. And I read what he says. Yeah. I watch his videos, and then I, I read what he's said about him. Yeah. And I'm like, there's, there's two different things here.
1: So there's a you know an I a, a thing of mudslinging and and and. Uh, you know, I mean, I think Eusebius was talking on the radio the other day. <laughs> I love how I say Eusebius and your eyes start rolling. But Jesus he was Christ. talking about mud slinging in terms of Patricia DeLille. But see, I think we all have yeah, our blind he, spots. He would know
0: what mud slinging. No, is. No, but
1: okay, well, but we all have our blind spots. And what's funny to me is that, you know, everyone is very willing to get upset about their guy being mud slung, but very very willing to mudsling the other. like for instance i mean i would say you pick up on social media a lot on people who say ridiculous things for example uh Ernest, Ernest must die because he's going to overseas with this thing, so now he must die. Sure. But you know, I mean, Jonathan, your partner on Renegade Report, told Walter Pike that he would be happy if he died. So clearly, sure. so clearly, there's I a lack of civility on, civility on both sides. Well, I, mean, I don't
0: speak for Jonathan. No, I suppose uh, you don't. And Jonathan didn't know that Walter had had cancer. Uh, so, yeah and, and, and
1: you know, even that, if you take it further There's now this video that, where Ernst kind of says That journalists should be strung up
0: No, it was a quote <laughs> oh,
1: was Of a Jew qu- so mean-
0: who was in Nazi Germany Oh lord And who uh, expressed The distasteful manner in which intellectuals Accepted and agreed with Nazism
1: And he was applying this to Okay, so Okay, sure. Well, if it's been taken out of context, that's one as, thing. But, but now surely that's what we were talking about just now in terms of the, if you don't like what the other side's saying, equate it with Nazism. And what's so funny about that is that it gets done so easily on both sides. It's like, I mean, Trump went and he did that tweet of like, this is as bad as, you know, Nazi Germany, what's happening to me, it's a witch hunt, etc. Yeah. And meanwhile, everyone on the other side is calling him a Nazi as well. I mean,
0: it would be great if they said this is as bad as Maoist China.
1: I also do think about but, that. It's like how never used Hitler, it. Hitler really did, you know, in, in a way, if you're going to be evil, that's almost what to go for is, you know, he became the benchmark of evil. Like sure. he's the only one that people ever kind of single out as you're as bad as.
0: I mean, like Adam Habib says, you're fascist. Um, Germany had Hitler, oh Africa God. had Idi Amin. I'm like, what you well, say? Well, the crazy thing about that is it's you completely say,
1: all over the map. Because first of all, what Idi Amin, Hitler, you're lumping everyone together, but also you're saying there are two people in, in quite a small sort of organization who are, are, are as bad as, as someone who, who killed 11 million people. No, but
0: Adam, have you never said you're as bad? Mao had, yeah. China had Mao. He's
1: saying you are South Africa's Hitler.
0: Yeah, why do you yeah. say South Africa's Mao?
1: South Africa's Mao. But no,
0: because he's a Marxist, so he doesn't see. There's well, this I mean, I think well. also
1: from our politics, from our perspective, I mean, Hitler occupies a special place. And I think, I think also what you know, in a place like Stalinist Russia, more people died than in Nazi Germany, and mm. in a place like Maoist China, more people died. But I think what singles Hitler out is that there is the added thing of like you know your. Um, very targeted ethnic cleansing of a very specific people
0: within it. Which happened all over uh, communist countries. Um, Stalin went over the kulaks, the middle class, middle class farmers. They were sent to the gulags. The, well, been the so sent
1: to gulags, but I think there was something about the... I mean, this is a ridiculous thing, but there's, uh, I've always thought, like, the thing about German people is they're very efficient. They're very good at what they do. And the problem is if they set their mind to, like, mass murder... They do it in a very efficient clinical German way. Well, some of them, I, think, I don't think zone. there's any precedent. I mean, you could say there were concentration camps, etc., etc. I don't think there's any precedent ever uh, in terms of people being annihilated in, 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 in you know, sort of in, in death camps, factories, in gas s- chambers, s- such a mechanical manner. It's I like think an, maybe like that's, what sets, that's what sets Hitler apart, maybe. Yeah. and
0: and because there was extensive records in the yeah. Soviet Union, there isn't.
1: Yeah, and I mean, what is crazy to me is obviously, you know, as a Jew, the problem is you definitely don't want to get into the dangerous ground of saying like, well, you know, was Hitler, you know, i uh, you know, I as a Jew, obviously, he does have a special place of evil in our heart, you know. Well, I think, I think for yeah, for and for many yeah, others sorry. as well, no, absolutely. But, um, but that said, I do think it's very weird the kind of people championing. Sort of your chairman. I think it's one thing to say Hitler was worse than Chairman Mao, but to actually like (coughs) champion like you know people who still would wear badges of him or or etc. etc. I mean, that to me, I I can't really.
0: It's a bit like Winnie Mandela, right? She passed away and we all know the history. I would disagree with you there. She was responsible for some things.
1: I would disagree with you. What I would say is that I think it is completely acceptable to have a nuanced, uh, no one needs to become a hero and a saint. Well, I think she clearly became deified and a bit... She became... She became.
0: She came to represent something oh, on, was, quite soon she after was she died. Mother Teresa. Of Soweto at, if you read ninety percent of those, and, and I would
1: argue against deification of anyone, including you know. I mean, if you look, you know, I there's agree. very easy ways to discredit someone like Mother Teresa as well. There's no one oh, she was in a history. Bitch. Jesus Christ. Yeah, there's no one in history who you can really look back on and say this is a perfect person. But that said, I do think you need to understand the incredible, incredible meaning that she has in terms of being a. Um, uncompromising you know sort of woman of the struggle i think that's a very very powerful icon to to a lot of black people and i think i think to sort of say how are they glossing over stumpy i can really understand how they're glossing over stumpy because you're looking at one incident in terms of an entire life of revolutionary work and i don't think there's anyone whether in the apartheid government or in the freedom. I think that's what I tweeted to you the other day. You were like, the ANC used the necklace and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, obviously their, their, their technique of hugging everyone into, oh, yeah. into dismantling apartheid didn't work. And I guess all I'm saying there is that there was something of a struggle and a war that took place. And it would be insane to argue that anyone on either side was, was, was perfect. But that's or what that they were didn't.
0: trying to do to Winnie, though. Yeah. and I am and,
1: and I'm agreeing with you. Why can't we say
0: that? People are complex. She did more good than bad. There are these little touches that well, I guess might that's need what a I'm bit saying. more investigation. I guess that's but exactly. overall, she was a force for good. Why
1: can't you say I, that? I guess that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying no. as well.
0: There you go. I fucking <laughs> agree. On something. But, that,
1: but that makes, you know, I mean, you know. I mean, everyone's,
0: everyone's complex. <laughs> Everyone is a complex individual. But to just negate huge yeah. swaths of what people've done with their lives, like, it's. Just, it's ridiculous. It's well, I not mean, honest. to
1: overlook, yeah. I mean, I think when Mark's tweet on it was like, you know, one day when Oscar Pistorius passes away, everyone's going to be like, wow, he was a really great athlete. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: yeah. I, I
1: didn't. I personally didn't think that that was, you know, because to shoot your wife five. I mean, the other thing is there's a whole now there's the whole thing of like she was discredited. A lot of her crimes were. So if you believe that a lot of her crimes were actually false, and that this whole, uh, you know, and look. The idea that all journalists now, even ones who are too young to have even been around during apartheid are members of Stratcom, is obviously ridiculous. But that said, if you, you know, there obviously was a force during apartheid to discredit certain. So a lot of, you know, people on the, who are, who are very upset um, with any criticism towards Winnie and maybe putting her on a bit of a pedestal do argue that a lot of the things she's been accused of are not true and have been engineered. Sure. And I don't think either of us know whether or not that's
0: true. Well, at least just provide so. some sort of evidence when you make that claim. That's all. Yeah. A mm. tweet is not evidence. So, I, really, <laughs> I actually do want to talk about comedy, Daniel. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Um, <laughs> I watched Jerry uh, Jerry Seinfeld's show, uh, yeah. comedies in cars, getting coffee, etc. And he's talking to Trevor Noah. And he says, what people don't understand about comedians is that we're just trying to figure out to make the last word of a sentence funny. And we don't care how we structure it, as long as there's a punchline and it's humorous.
1: Who said that? Seinfeld? Yes, Jerry That's Stanford. a very Seinfeld thing to say, though. I mean, I think we're all different.
0: I, I don't find him terribly funny.
1: I have never really been it depends on your sense of humor but I've never really been someone I think Seinfeld's thing is he tries to find the ridiculous in small things in minutia of life and Indeed. also in like yeah, you know your everyday life you know, donut holes yeah donut holes so it's, so it's the more the more sort of trivial something is the more he wants to find the humor in it so sure. that's his thing I mean I think in a way Michael McIntyre in the UK is a similar oh, form of comedy horrible. in that you know it's like oh when you go to a hotel and, da, 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 and you know relatable stuff I think if you can be funny that way it's a very great career move because you know it's very uncontroversial safe and you'll become quite big and i but you know it's personally not my style of comedy so you know i I, i'm someone who believes that you need to to to, uh the content needs to also be as important as the punchline so i
0: I felt would disagree with that how much of your personal beliefs go into your content or into your act well quite a bit i mean See, I, is that is that good or, or or not good? I mean, well, I mean, it's hard for me. Well, because
1: it's hard for me because it's like you know, to be political in your comedy is hard because in a way there's a sense that people want to laugh at something if they agree with it, which to me is something that I try and avoid. Like I try and be able to say that's objectively funny, even though I don't like necessarily who it's coming from mm. or. You know, I mean, like, for instance, uh, you you know that I'm very critical of the state of Israel. Sure. And you know that Joan Rivers is a comedian who made a lot of statement, uh, pro-Israeli statements and some which I found offensive in terms of the fact of, like, right. Palestinians... Uh, like that, it's like
0: they sort of deserve what's happening They deserve to, what's happening yeah. to
1: them, etc. So, obviously, that's stuff that, that I really fervently she, don't agree but with. But she was fucking hysterical. But she was hysterical. So, yeah. in other words, I, I, for me in comedy, you need... I feel I need to have that sense of someone who's objectively funny, and but as a political comedian, what other people tend to do and what the audience tends to do is laugh if they agree, and so what happens okay. because of that is that you end up pandering to audiences because if you, in a mainly white audience, you know you're not you you know that uh, you know your material, which I've got tons of making fun of the ANC, mm, is going well. to kill hugely kill, yeah. but. Uh, you know, stuff making fun of the DA and stuff making fun of white privilege might not kill. So then you're in a situation where you're kind of preaching to the converted and at its worst, you're pandering because you're saying different things. It's what a politician does. You know, sure. like when you in front of this audience, you say you want this thing and when you're in front of that audience... The classic
0: Hillary Clinton line, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so, so what I try and do is I try and... Um, I, I try and have... I try and put something in a set which I think would challenge the audience, mm-hmm. and I what I do is I try and get them on my side because what you find in comedy is once they're on your side, it's like almost like sugarcoating a, a bitter pill. you know, like you know you kind of, sort of, slowly. Um, you're slowly sort of getting them on your side. You're, you're basting a turkey or something. You're like, lubricating know, you're them. Lubricating them, et cetera, And then you go, pow. And you hit them in the gut. And they might say, whoa, you have a point there. Or they might say, no, I don't agree with that. But what's interesting about that is I've had sets where I could swear I killed. People right. were laughing. People were having a great time. And then afterwards, I get told, oh, no, people are – some people in the audience got very upset. <laughs> you know what I mean? So to me, it's like – to me, it's like you have to be – and to my detriment because it really is easier to preach to the converted. To my detriment, I always do try and put in something in whatever audience that I'm in, which I think might they might – they might not might be immediately comfortable. They might yeah and i think there is a cringiness to my comedy and i think i had one bit which was called i'm sorry for apartheid it, it well it was like this apartheid song where you choose a black person in the audience or if there's lots of black people in the audience you focus on the whole audience and you apologize for apartheid okay but it was i managed to come up with these bits which offend both sides and that's like that's hard because it's like then you're like Uh, So, so, because I mean I think because then the joke of it is I'm sorry for apartheid here's five rand and then you offer the people in the audience five rand you wanted reparations so so, so. so here's five rand so so depending on a lot of people have said it's a very poignant song and it it's actually you know it's actually comes from a very sincere you know uh, place which I feel it does but then other people said that that just that thing of like haha I'm giving you, you five me. round means you're mocking it. So I think there's a huge difficult uncomfortable line in my stuff between when I'm being sincere when I'm not when I'm being satirical when I'm not and hoping that people will understand the, that because In satire, sometimes you say the opposite of what you mean,
0: uh, absolutely. And also, sometimes I'm there, and that's the point of comedy. I mean, with, with respect, yeah. Um, I love comedy, I watch a hell of a lot of it, uh, not locally. I watched one of your shows at the Sandin Theater about six seven years ago. Oh, wow, yeah, in my heyday, yeah, in your heyday, <laughs> uh, and I enjoyed it a lot. You had a rugby song, hopefully, it's not, not my like, last heyday. <laughs> well, not. I,
1: I, I think, I think my stuff went a lot more political after that. I think that was like more. You know, my stuff at the beginning was mainly just quirky, sort of social commentary. Well, and I think social
0: commentary on, on, on usual things. And yeah. I think
1: I'd like to go back to that in a way. It
0: was fun. Yeah. I mean, if I may say not memorable,
1: <laughs> if, I, if
0: I look back, well, you just Well,
1: you just told me that you
0: remember it. Well, I, I had to go on your YouTube channel to refresh <laughs> to your refresh memory. To refresh your memory. And all those songs are from 2010. Didn't change your life. Unfortunately not, Daniel. <laughs> Unfortunately not. Oh,
1: that's a pity. I really... But oh, um really locally, what I was going for.
0: How is the comedy scene? Cuz I do find comedians are underappreciated here. And I don't know. Um, I don't know if it's the problem with comedians or if the audience is just not really into it.
1: Well, I think things have changed a lot. I think it's better. But I think that um in a way there's a sort of perception of the comedy scene and a reality of the comedy scene which are a little bit different because I think there is a very glitzy, glamorous side to it. And I think it's easy to, you know, the Comics Choice Awards, for example, or, you know, Trevor Noah's tours, for example. You know, that's a... Well, I mean, whether or not you're a fan of his work, you have to concede that he he represents a... Well, I mean, I know a lot of people, especially a lot of uh, people... I don't want to call you on the right, but people who are ideologically a certain way feel that he's panders too much to. I just don't find him funny anymore. Well, I mean, a lot of would you call him an SJW or something no. like that? Or, no, I, so just, I really... just think his
0: jokes are written by a metropolitan New York whites.
1: <laughs> so whether or not you believe that, when he comes to town, it's a, it's a level of glamour in terms sure. of he's obviously going to be doing it at a. So you might have a situation where he's performing at the Teatro at Monte Cassino and then at the same night. I'm performing at like the ocean basket in Rotterport or something like that. You know, so there is, there's yeah. various facets, various degrees of, and I think it's, it's even possible to do a very glitzy, glamorous gig one night and a very unglamorous gig. The next, and I think something that makes comedians slightly more down to earth than, make, say, other sort of um, entertainers. entertainers, might be the fact that uh, we do, we do, uh, you know, for even like the big comedians, like even in that doc- documentary comedian about Seinfeld, you find when he's doing new material, he's hitting the clubs, right. so he's hitting these dingy clubs with a couple hundred of pe- people, and and he's
0: just filtering through the material, perfecting it for the big for the big shots
1: there's a level at which you can't really be respected as a comedian unless you're still hitting the clubs and that keeps you down to earth
0: unless you Bo Burnham do you know Bo Burnham
1: I'm a huge Bo Burnham fan oh thank yeah. fuck yeah, finally a someone you know <laughs> <laughs> you hear that it's actually actually but what the comedians are quite nerdy in terms of like they're comedy nerds as in they know all the comedians and I think within the com- South African a lot of us you know there's a lot of respect for Bo Burnham
0: I think he's phenomenal but yeah. he never went up through comedy clubs he's an internet star yeah is he's an Justin internet star and he went straight in
1: and I guess there is a way to show I mean Ricky Gervais did the same thing. Mm. He shortcut... He never... He was, uh, you know, he, he did was The Office.
0: very mediocre comedian before then, Yeah. Well,
1: yeah, but, I mean, he wasn't really someone who was a big stand-up comedian. His thing was The Office, and it was such a success worldwide that it basically gave him the platform to and, do whatever and he and wanted. And for good
0: reason. I mean, it was a fucking... Yeah, bizarre. I mean, it
1: was... And also, for its time, it was revolutionary. And Well, it was... Uh, it changed. If you think about it, all this... The style of mockumentary comedy, which is kind of across the board. You see it everywhere now. Yeah. That didn't exist before The Office because... Also, what happened is like the the UK office. When that came out, people were watching it at home, and there was no precedent for it. So a lot of people thought it was a documentary, <laughs> and it was done. I mean, he tells Ricky Gervais speaks about t- having to sit down with his actors and say to them, "Stop acting, right? Just be because I mean, you basically just have to act like a normal human being acts, which is very different style to what it'd be on in TV in a very in stale a, environment. You know, in yeah, in a sitcom, yeah. you
0: you have people sure. acting. So, so so locally, I mean. I can count on the maybe one hand how many comedians have gone really mainstream. So like, I would say, yeah. Very little. Twine I would marake, say that's the thing. It's funny. a huge industry. Luis Gola, Trevor Noah, just a missing sort there of. There are
1: made men within the comedy industry yeah. for whom it is financially another on another level. You know, so there's. There's various tiers. You've got your comedians who are not even getting paid for gigs. They're doing open mics. You're getting your comedians who are making whatever money they make from comedy from club gigs. Right. Now, club gigs are when you you, know, you you're at either a restaurant, a bar, a little theater, something Kitcheners. like that. Kitcheners. something like that. And, you know, Kitcheners is a bad example because Kitcheners is essentially an open mic, okay. which is where you go to test new material. Yeah. But if I do... Even Parker's is a club gig Or the Goliath Club is a club gig right. You get maybe uh, Between one or two thousand If you're headlining If you're a support act You get less than that
0: Like one or two thousand rand? Yeah or, okay
1: If you're a support act You get less than that You might sure. earn five hundred rand You might So it's definitely not something That's going to sustain a career and if that's all you can do in comedy in South Africa, you're going to have a day job, you know. Because so, you know, so there's those people. Then there's people who do those club gigs and also get corporates. Now, corporate is when you go over to Standard Bank, you perform comedy for them for half. Well, I'm doing comedy because that's what I do. But you perform comedy for them and for you half an hour, and you get paid twenty grand or something. And then obviously it might not be that frequent, but all you need is a couple of those in a month plus club gigs. And you just, Here's it. the
0: thing, Daniel. So, Imagine George Carlin doing a corporate gig.
1: Oh no! I mean, I know it's it's you know. Look, in this
0: day and the, age, I mean, there is I a lot of. I understand the economics, but doesn't the corporate gig delegitimize comedy?
1: Um, if you are coming from a sort of like sort purist. of old school purist George Carlin, damn the man type of thing, That's me. then then I guess I guess so. But I mean, I guess I think it's very hard. I, for personally, I need to make a decision if I am going to sit in an office all day working for a company that's either doing work for corporations or who is uh, or who is a co- in a corporation, or am I going to have the freedom to just go from club to club and occasionally yeah. to pay the bills, go and do that. I, for that I get corporate. the economics. So, I mean, I think there's very few... Even your more sort of politically kind of extreme comedians or whatever would still take on corporate work. Does it make... I mean, have I done some things that I regret and that I think diluted my brand for money? Yes, I have. And have do I sometimes wish I had the courage to say, screw it, I don't mind if I starve this month as long as I remain true to my hardcore comedy roots? Really? Uh, I would love to be that person, but I mean, especially once you have a kid, it's very hard to kind of think that way. And I think there is something that sort of changed in my mind when I had... My son, which is in terms of, for the first time, I realized I don't have the luxury of earning ten grand this month. You know, my my I, if if I do that, I'm screwed because I I if I if that happens three months in a row, yeah. I'm in huge debt. You know what I mean? So so you get to a stage where you realize that uh, that no matter how how much you love. Bill Hicks's bit about how if you're in advertising you Go should kill, kill yourself. yourself yeah. You know, as much as you love that bit that we, we that in the real world, you know, you're gonna have to, to eat. And I think that is I think a symptom, and also you know a symptom of the way the world is right now. I think very few people feel they have the luxury, and I think if you go to especially creative spaces, what you get is a lot of people. You know, your creative spaces and in, in your your um mark your uh, digital agencies and stuff like that. That's where a lot of the more creative people end up now. Sure. You know, so that's where your sort of your writers, your comedians, your you know whether you're a, Poet or a, and they're still like doing a, corporate work in those agencies. And, they, and, they, and they're doing corporate work in those agencies to get by. So that's, yeah. that's what you've got. And you've got this weird <laughs> phenomenon that Hagen Engler, who's a friend of mine, wrote about, where you've got a room full of people and none of them are, you know, none of them are there because it's their, it's their dream or their and that's, and vocation that's what, or their calling. And that's they're what all,
0: I said on Twitter the other day. I think there's, there's, and this is a critique of capitalism, creators are not deemed worthy.
1: Well, I think that. Do you know what's 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 weird is that? Okay, it's very easy to see that. You know, yes and no because the problem is not all creators can be deemed worthy because sure. there's a huge. So there's a there's that thing of the starving artist, and that's true. <clears throat> but then there's also the thing of like, look at once you do break through, you are almost you can almost become wealthy on a level that, you know, a lawyer or a doctor or someone like that could not. You know, like, um, you know, Trevor Noah, for example. I mean, what he earns just working for The Daily Show, I mean, that's an insane amount of money. So you could say comedians are underappreciated, underpaid, underworked. Some of them are. But once you break through and you get to... So in a way, you couldn't have a situation where all are equally well... No, of course not. Because then it would, you know, I mean inequality is important and sadly and sadly sadly I don't, I don't think inequality is important so much no, as I'd say if everyone if, if, well it's another thing of like if everyone's doing a podcast who's going to watch the podcast you know what I'm saying it's that kind of thing it's like you need uh, I don't think hierarchies are desirable but I think that they do occur naturally
0: oh I think they are very desirable
1: <laughs>
0: well, we'll have to agree to well, disagree Well, that's the point between the that. left and the right politically That is yeah, quite a core, like, quite a core distinction On the right, uh, natural hierarchies Na- exist Natural hierarchies
1: exist and there's nothing wrong with them that's And then it, on the left That's not what I'm saying no, that's Disclaimer big, That's what the right <laughs> says And on
0: the left, it says, fine If hierarchies do exist, we need to take care of the ones at the bottom
1: Yeah, we need to try our best. We need to try our best to to um, level the playing fields as much. as That's why
0: those ideas work well together in oppositional forces.
1: And and yeah, that's why you know I mean that's why I don't think there's any value in saying no. I'm not going to you know I mean if I see Warren and you know like I I don't think there's any value in saying no. Those guys are beyond the pale. I, I cannot engage with them. Oh, right. From an ideas perspective, of like, I won't go on the podcast or whatever. I, mean, I, 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 mean, I get it on Twitter.
0: On Twitter, I'm a, I'm a dick. I get that. But I, I think for, you know, I mean, I Twitter it, is
1: a platform which makes everyone come across. as But things. I use it
0: for trolling. I use it to mock people. I use it for serious commentary. It's my it's my so space now, to do whatever the fuck I want.
1: So now here's what I don't get: like to mm. to 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 think that the left has gone crazy and have become very oversensitive in terms of the whole thing of like they snowflakes, etc. etc. What's weird to me is that people who are perceived to be on the right, who are are on the right, they never really kind of own a level of that which is happening within their own. Like, for instance, there's certainly a right-wing echo chamber. There's certainly right-wing people who react to certain issues by being snowflakes about it. I mean,
0: the worst example is Candace Owens. Kanye's new muse, oh, right? Oh yeah, She's the, a, this black the, conservative, the black conservative and, lady her, and all she says mm. is that the Democrats want blacks to be slaves, and I'm off the plantation. I'm like, this is, this is, this is rudimentary, not even entertainment. It's bullshit. And it's I think not Ka- even it's not like a shred of intelligence in what you say
1: even you and I us sitting here in a way there is this rise of like a like a intellect when you look at podcasts etc so David Rubin's a good example so he's sitting he's talking to this guy that guy not all of those guys are necessarily like academic professors of this and that like when you look at you I mean I'm a comedian sure you're a sort of social commentator failed podcaster failed podcaster you know what I'm saying so there is a level (laughs) at which you know Candice Owens is one example but there are a lot of people out there who have opinions but who are not necessarily experts and in 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 because of the internet might you know I mean like even for us I don't
0: care about expertise in terms of opinions but just have opinions that are considered just have opinions (laughs) that aren't a reaction to everyone else yeah have opinions where you I feel that you actually believe what you
1: say yeah I mean, that's, I think, what I struggle with Milo Yiannopoulos is that I often just think he's just saying whatever he can to get a reaction, you know.
0: And 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 he's gone. Candace Owens will be next. No one will remember her in yeah. in a few months' time.
1: But that said, does it mean that at Berkeley when he comes along you need to go scream into his face like as if the world's going to end? You oh, know he mean? I think that. the best on, way…
0: On. He the, desired that exactly, from the start.
1: Exactly, so this is what I would say is that as someone on the left, I would hope that more people on the left are able to say… That person is saying something that's unacceptable to me. I'm going to walk away because if I get hysterical about it, all that's doing is creating that person's star, creating that person's platform, etc. It, and it's possible just to, you know, I disagree with a lot of what I see on social media, um, your stuff included. And if I deg- disagree with it to the point, I make one of two decisions. I'm like, I want to engage with this or I don't want to engage with sure. this. And the couple of times I've tweeted when it's like, maybe I want to engage with it. But even then, I'm not someone who will like tweet off 17 times to have an argument. It's I like mean, if, almost if, like. If
0: someone disagrees with me fundamentally and has a talk somewhere, I would troll the shit out of them by buying all the tickets to the show and having like no one attend their talk. <laughs> That's far more powerful. That is quite a powerful than, like trolling technique. Than, than, Ramming cars into buildings and putting things on fire and knocking people with like bike locks. Yeah, I mean, so, what is that? so
1: I, I don't go in for that hysteria, and I think it definitely doesn't help anyone's mm. cause. No. So I'm going to do something weird, which is that I'm going to. Can we take a, a quick commercial break?
0: Sure. Well, and, and then it's quarter two.
1: Okay. So then should so we? Should we? Uh, should we? Uh, man, this could mean that
0: Joe Rogan is four-hour podcast, man. I'm not even tired.
1: So let's do do part two. Excellent. Let's, let's do, do
0: it. <laughs> I had fun well Daniel thank you for coming
1: I, uh, do you know what? also for me it was like a thing of like if I go on Robin and um, podcast is it going to end up as like a weird argument or something like that and I'm, I'm glad that it didn't Wait, I, don't,
0: I don't hate people I don't, I don't hate yeah. ideas I don't hate people I just like talking yeah, to them and I
1: think you know hatefulness on any kind of side and in any kind of ideology is, ideology is self-defeating and I think you know dialogue is good so I think in the end of the day this is like a warm fuzzy kind of episode of gummy bears and we should actually end it up by hugging maybe
0: Maybe kissing. <laughs> anyway, well, well Daniel, what, what happens
1: off camera is a different right, story. Right. Daniel, thank you. Cool, uh, thanks, appreciate thanks, time.
0: I would love to have you back. It was fun. Uh, it was. Uh, yeah. It was fun. We didn't talk at all. What I want to talk about, and then <laughs> what makes it a good podcast.
1: Okay, good. Cool. Cheers, Cheers. everyone.
0: See you next time.
1: Nice.